0: Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you've fallen at least once or twice. My guest this week is Mert Kumru, who is a former United Nations youth representative from the Netherlands, where he's from. He is also a human rights and climate justice advocate, and I had a great conversation with him about his work and his role with the UN. So, without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Mert Kumru. My name is
1: Mercure. I'm 25 years old, and I'm currently studying uh, my master's uh, at the uh, University of Leiden uh, in public international law. Uh, I'm uh, the former UNU representative on, uh, the Dutch UNU, uh, UNU representative on human rights and security. Uh, and I'm currently active in uh, World's Youth for Climate Justice. It's a campaign that's trying to bring uh, the, the climate crisis to the International Court of Justice in The Hague. Uh, and we're trying to uh, basically establish a new legal um uh, basis, which explains that the climate crisis impacts the uh, enjoyment of human rights and how it directly affects and causes um, the, the, the problems that we currently face with the climate crisis, but, on, but then on a more uh, uh, human rights level and a human rights approach it also includes the, the recognition and the protection of uh, the rights of future generations so that's currently where i'm uh, busy uh, with and also i'm uh, one of the uh, head uh, initiators of uh, network 2100 it's a dutch currently a dutch network of we call them uh, how do you say that in English? Um, so basically, leaders of business and like people and <laughs> people that are trying to become uh, those, those the new CEOs type of people. You know, like uh, the board members of the future. We're trying to become. Um, we are trying to create a new generation of board members and like CEOs that are all sustainable and have the same goal and the same agenda, which is to stay in line with the Paris agreements. That's um, an initiative we're currently launching, and it's it's getting um, yeah, it's getting it's, it's becoming something nice right now.
0: I'm so excited to talk with you and to learn about what got you started with this work. Can you tell me some about your background and just how you got into this activism work?
1: Yeah, so um, I think it all started when I decided to um, pick a bachelor's for my uh, after when I was done with high school. And um, I ended up picking a, a law bachelor degree because I, I found it very interesting to understand what our rights are and how we can make a claim to those rights. Um, and I found that interesting because I, it didn't exist from sort of intrinsic uh, view of I want to protect uh, certain elements. No, I just want to understand the law, why we have it and how I could use it in order to benefit from it for, a, a, like for as many people as possible. So um, it started out when I uh, found out that uh, a lot of our uh, human rights are based upon very old uh, uh, <laughs> like norms and values. And I was like, huh, but those values and norms are obviously uh, bounded by the time which they're written in. So how could we try to change them in order to make sure that more people enjoy them and that uh, we could pro- like possibly save the planet that we're living on? So that's how the ball started rolling. And then uh, in my first year, um, I I found out about the UN Youth Delegate Program from the Netherlands, and I was so interested. So I applied, and it was uh, an official election and stuff. And I got elected, which was amazing. And through uh, my UN Youth Delegate uh, mandate, I came in contact with a lot of youth activists that are working on climate change. And um, that's how I got involved in it. And that's how I decided that I wanted to make a complete shift in terms of uh, I don't want to become like a standard lawyer in like a law firm and that's it. And I, like, I just totally forgot about that. Uh, and all of my, uh, my classmates like from uni were like, oh, you're, you're crazy for not doing this. And uh, you had such a clear path and now you're just throwing it all out. And I'm like, Yep, yeah, that's what I want to do. So my focus right now is to create a planet which is more equal in a more sustainable way so that we could uh, live longer in a healthier way for uh, more people. And like in my my dictionary, I would say that equality, um, equity and like sustainability are all in the same page. And if we don't have one of these elements, uh, if we exclude one of these elements, then the other ones are not equally as, as um. Like in my, yeah, they're just all equally as equally worthy in in my uh, dictionary, I would say. But that's like I, I'm, maybe I'm just rambling on. But that's in a gist. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. And I think it's so interesting that you abandoned that traditional path for this new one that you're on now. And I would love to know more about your work with the UN. Can you tell me some about what got you into your position as a UN youth representative and what that position entailed? I guess just tell me some about the work that you also got to do in that. Just give me the whole story on being a UN youth representative.
1: So, um, it started in, in the Netherlands, we have a system which basically goes through uh, uh, numerous of rounds. Uh, so you have three rounds in total. You first start out with sending a letter to the Dutch Youth Council. Then uh, they'll pick the best, I mean, I'm not sure, like 20, uh, 20 applications. Then you'll get invited for a conversation. And after that conversation, you get an invitation to go to the first rounds. And in the first rounds, they're trying to like, uh, throw you in the deep, basically, and just want to like, they ask you to pre- present uh, a lecture for a group of people, which is understandable for young students and young people, so that you can inspire young people to become more actively involved in in, um, in all kinds of topics. And uh, that first round is with five other uh, uh, five other people, and from that round they'll pick two, and those will be the two that are going to uh, have, like going to start off in the election together. So, like, uh, after that first round, you get elected with the two others, uh, and then when you're uh, with the two of you, you get one week of campaigning time, and you need to go through the entire country, trying to gather as much votes from young people as possible. That want that want you to become their new youth representative to the United Nations, and it's very interesting because um, you actually see that in the Netherlands, for example, we don't have a direct uh, like we don't have a direct democratic system. So we, we choose our representatives and they'll become elected, but it's more of a passive system. Uh, so we always jokingly say that we're the most directly elected uh, representatives or like, <laughs> so that's always the, the joke that we make. Um, um, but you can see that young people are, are actively thinking on well, what do you bring in for, for me and like why is it important that we do this, Will we work with this election, and why do we have you and you represent this, why do we have this system, what, what is it exactly. Uh, so that's how, how, that, prog- how that, that program starts off. And then uh, once you get in, uh, you're working together with the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs, for example, for a lot of the times. Uh, and uh, you work with diplomats from all around the globe, young people from all around the globe, you and you representatives from all around the globe. Um, and it's very interesting to see that um, systems vary, very much. Uh, for example, like our mandate was very, um, we, we, had, we had all of the freedom to decide what we wanted to do and what we wanted to say. Uh, but in other countries, you see that a lot of young students or young people, uh, I must say, are working uh, as a sort of a auxiliary unit of the government, but then with sort of a youth token placed on top. And it's it's we call it tokenism. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the term. Uh, and it's something that we, um, we fight against, basically, because we don't believe that tokenism is a form of uh, meaningful youth participation. And Uh, i think that that's the basis of our work is to have meaningful dialogues meaningful youth participation and youth inclusion when it comes to decision making um because we often get the criticism of yeah but you're so young what do you know of policy making or or uh uh, crises and stuff and then i always like pull out my uno reverse card and tell them well if it was such a such a gift to be older in these times why are we currently facing all of these problems and that usually works (laughs)
0: Thank you so much for explaining that and for bringing up the tokenism idea because I think it's definitely a problem and I personally haven't thought about it that much and I think that's really interesting. And as you're talking about rallying these votes throughout your election, I'm sure that you had so many great conversations with students and other young people around your country. What would you say are some of the biggest concerns of young people in the Netherlands?
1: Yeah, I think, um, so it's a more of, a, I wouldn't say only a Dutch problem, but also like a more of a broader, uh, uh, broader worldwide problem, a global problem. It's that a lot of young people are currently facing a sense of distrust to the system and to the governments. Uh, and it's not a distrust in, um, in in the representatives themselves. So like it's not that they distrust the people that are sitting in in, in, uh, in, in the courts or in the, in the parliaments, but it's more the distrust of a system in general, as in how is it that this system that we are trying to uphold so dearly is is treating me so bad? Um, as in, why am I not enabled to rent a place for an affordable price? Why can't I buy a home? Why can't I start working, what, like the same path that my parents or my grandparents did? As in, what is this sense of? inequality that is currently threatening my uh, my life, but not only on like, an economical scale, but also socio-economic, uh, as, as social uh, exclusion, and uh, of course, with regards to the climate crisis, you see that like all of these elements are just piling up. So um, that's, wh- that's why they are sensing that uh, the current way of doing things is apparently not working for them and for the people around them. So why should I have trust in a system that is not treating me fairly or equally as it should? So that element of distrust is um, becoming more and more um, apparent. And we saw that it uh, increased during the COVID pandemic. We saw that th- during those two, essentially those two uh, heavy years, so to say, we saw that a lot of young people were facing uh, well mental problems, mental health problems, but also uh, just there was no, there was no vision of what would happen. Uh, and it made them feel more lackluster, less, less, uh, intrigued to actually uh, uh, continue with what, what we're doing or like to make future plans it was all very uh yeah like it was all very uncertain and that uncertainty that sense of uncertainty has not been taken away by by our policymakers because right now the uncertainties have just been diversified even more it's right now it's 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 a sense of oh shoot can I afford my groceries tomorrow because of inflation uh it, it's it's crazy and that's why uh, we're trying to say that if we want to make sure that young people are being heard from the beginning, make sure that they are at the table when the decisions are being made. So it makes it only makes sense to discuss and to talk with young people or younger generations instead of about them. And that's a very clear distinction. What we uh, are trying to reiterate and like trying to. Um, like we're trying to remember let people remember that young people are not just a passive homogenous group no they're very diverse they're very different all of them um and in order to like have a meaningful conversation with them include them at all of these advisory boards all of these meetings where they can actually have a say and actually influence the debate that's what we think is is the solution to that
0: I think that's so true. Those issues like inflation, housing prices, those are all issues that are going to affect us and our generation. So it's so important that we have a seat at the table for those discussions. So can you also tell me more about your activism work? Because you mentioned working at the intersection between human rights and climate change. And I would just love for you to explain some of the issues that you're passionate about and also maybe some about the changes that you'd like to see one day.
1: Yeah, excellent question, Lee. Um, I would say that um, when we look at the climate crisis itself, the first things that pop pop into mind are uh, droughts or severe rainstorms or like floodings, etc. Of course, those are the consequences, and a warming up, a, a war, like the, the global, uh, the global greenhouse and gas emissions and like global warming itself are elements of the crisis. But what we tend to forget is whenever these consequences. Um, are, are showing off, or like whenever we see the, the, the effects of of the climate crisis itself, people are being affected by them, and especially um, young people are the most vulnerable because they don't have uh, safety nets to to make sure that they'll have a soft landing when it comes to uh, floodings or, or or other natural uh, natural disasters. So what we see is that your enjoyment of human rights is being affected by the crisis. And it can be a very basic one. It can be your right to uh, housing that's being affected by a flood. It can be your right to um, uh, to a healthy environment that's being affected due to, let's say, uh, a chemical uh, spill that happened in your neighborhood. It's all of these elements that come together in uh, the, the climate crisis itself. And we see that all of those human rights that we have, that we are being granted or gifted by the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, that are currently being threatened by decisions that we are making as, uh, or I mean, not we, but like that, that our policymakers have been making or are uh, not willing to take in order to prevent that from happening. Uh, a, a very good example is uh, you see young people in the Pacific, where uh, which where our campaign also started. Uh, you see them being presented with the possibility, with the very uh, real possibility of uh, their entire lands, their native lands, being uh, being flooded within the next decade. That means that these people will not have a place to call home anymore, and they will eventually start relocating migrating to other places but what happens in other places you see that populism is on the rise you see that xenophobia is on the rise so these new climate refugees that that will eventually come due to our uh, unwillingness to 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 take action will be coming to our uh, like will be coming to to places where currently uh, western leaders are failing to take action and then you'll see that populism will pop up and they will say, well, it's our country. We'll protect our borders. We don't want newcomers. We don't want refugees, blah, blah, blah. And then you start with the with the essential problem that this all has to do with one clear thing. And that's our common shared values, our human rights. And that's why we want to make sure that that's becoming is, is becoming more clear, because uh, the International Court of Justice is the only uh, United Nations, um, it's the final bastion, we would say, that has never spoken about the climate crisis. So it's the final frontier when it comes to uh, addressing and acknowledging the consequences of the climate crisis on human rights. And that's why it's so important for us to become, uh, to, to become successful when it comes to uh, asking for that advisory opinion.
0: Thank you so much for explaining that because there are just so many other issues tied to the climate crisis. And I really appreciate you just talking about those issues. I have one more question for you. Lots of young people want to create change and they want to make a difference, but they may not know how or maybe where to get started with that. Do you have any advice for those people who may be listening?
1: Yeah. I always start out with saying, uh, in order to stand up, you must you must have fallen at least once or twice. You cannot start walking and running without falling in the meantime. Uh, and Why I'm saying this is that I've personally learned the most of all of my experiences uh, from the times that I failed to achieve what I wanted to achieve. Uh, And this sounds very meta or very philosophical, but what I'm trying to say is it does not matter where you start out of. It only matters if that is the thing that you're truly believing in is the one that is the cause that you're fighting for, then fight for it and go for it. Um, I, I personally tend to believe that for example, when you just discussed the civil rights movement in the United States, back in those days, back in the 60s and 70s, for example, uh, the young people that were trying to advocate for, uh, for for civil rights, for equality, they were being laughed at. They were being uh, uh, spit out, basically. But they knew that the cause they were fighting for was the good cause, was the good one. So if you have that firm belief, if you have that sense of, of of realization that what you're doing is in the essence the the right cause worth fighting for then go for it and find your own uh you find your own own meaning in that and i would recommend first of all to um Educate yourself and know what you're talking about. So, uh, for for those people who like to read, go read reports. Go read books that are are in your field of interest. Um, if books is not something that you like, doesn't matter. Watch some educational videos. Watch some documentaries. Just try to learn on the topics that you that you want to become a more uh, a, a, more knowledgeable about. Because uh, there's only one thing, there's only one sense of of a power that people can never take away from you, and that's your knowledge. That's your that's your sense of 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 um of ratio. So like use that as a weapon, I would say, in order to protect yours, uh, the, the, your loved ones, yourself, and the planet that you're taking care of. So um, that will be my top tip for I would say my advice, um, because in the end, if you all come together and if you unify with those who are in the same boat, we're all in the same boat. I mean, I, uh, does the, maybe this is a good distinction to make, Lily. I always love to say to people that um, you're never two months away from becoming the new millionaire, or the new billionaire, but you're always two months away from becoming the next homeless person. So my question, my point is always, um, find your friends in those who are in an equal position or a less less fortunate position as the, of, um, that you're currently in, because together you have a much more uh, you have much more to achieve and you can actually achieve change in the future. So that's a tip I would I would give.
0: I really enjoyed talking with Mert, and I think he is just so knowledgeable about the issues he's passionate about. I really enjoyed his advice at the end of our conversation about lifting up those around us. It's important to value the people around you, and it's also important to remember that it's okay to fail. Mert mentioned how in order to stand up, you have to have fallen once or twice, and I think that is such an important point to keep in mind. Everyone will fail once or twice in life but it's how you learn from those experiences and grow as a person that really matters. It's important to remember Mert's advice, especially in those moments of failure, because change comes when you've fallen at least once or twice. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can find Mert on Instagram at mertkumru_vn to get connected with him. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye guys.